Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Syrupcast. If you're tuning into the Syrupcast for the first time, it's a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website, in which we look back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. This is episode 180. We're recording it on Thursday, October 4th. Uh, on this week's podcast, we have, returning to the show, one Peter Novak, journalist and author. Peter, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, so if you're at all familiar with Peter and his work, you probably have a pretty good idea of what we're about to talk about. Uh, in addition, we have Mobile Syrup staff reporter, uh, Samir Chabra, on recording duties. More importantly, he's here to provide insight and expertise into the CRTC. How are you, Samir? I'm quite well, Igor. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, so we've seen a lot of movement from the CRTC in just the past week and a half. I'm going to try as concisely and precisely as possible to just summarize and then we're going to get into the conversation samir if at any point i say something wrong or you feel like i should add more context please feel free to jump in you're looking at me like i'm the one who's going to jump in with additional context i feel but, like peter's going to yeah, be the one who's gonna... oh no i'll oh. just sit here quietly <laughs> for now and start fuming <laughs> um right so very interesting uh, week and a half. We saw the, first of all, uh, just as we were about to record last week's podcast, we saw the CRTC issue, I guess, a follow-up decision on um, the Canada Broadband Fund that had been proposed by the previous uh, chairperson, uh, one Jean-Pierre Blais, uh, fan of the show, I've heard. No, not really. Um, <laughs> uh, under uh, JP Blais, um, the... Uh, minimum broadband target had been 50 uh, megabits up or sorry down and then 5 10 megabits i don't even know what i'm talking about 50 10 50 10 50 down 10 up and then we got the somewhat shocking news that now they've decided to have that to 25 5 um which i think rightfully so issued forth a bunch of criticism of the crtc peter you were quite um active on the twitter uh <laughs> letting your displeasure be known. Um, do you want to take us kind of through what your initial reaction was to this? And then we'll get into the conversation. Yeah, where to start? I guess uh, I guess we can start with this whole digital divide idea. Um, mm -hmm. That's basically what they've created here. Uh, not that they've created it. Sorry, that the, the digital divide has always been there. Mm -hmm. It's just that they seem to have rubber stamped it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as you said, the previous administration at CRTC, they set these goals of 50 download, 10 upload, which was, you know, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty decent uh, goal. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think in my estimation, I, I kind of consider that to be min minimum broadband right now anyways. Mm -hmm. So for the, the current administration to come out and say, well, no, actually, we're just going to do half that for, for these uh, areas where in order for you to qualify to get these subsidies for rural and remote communities, it's just going to be half that. They're basically saying, 
uh, people who live in these areas, you can, you guys can get the crappy broadband. That's that's good enough mm-hmm. for you. You know the uh, the good, the really good stuff. If you want that, you're gonna have to move to a city. So they've kind of rubber stamped that, mm-hmm. and that, I think that's that's pretty upsetting. And there's a lot of reasons why, uh, because I don't think it's really uh, I, I, the CRTC tried to frame this as uh, uh, the way to get broadband into these places Mm -hmm. but really i think what's at play here is it's not necessarily a way to get broadband to these places it's more of trying to create profitability for companies to do Mm -hmm. so uh that's a whole can of worms which i'm happy to get into and we will um (laughs) before we do though samir could you provide more context into the rationale for the decision as such such as that it provided yeah, so Peter pretty much covered it all. So it, it, it's an introductory uh, speed. So what, what the CRTC effectively said was, you have to be able to meet at least 25 down and 5 up. Um, but eventually, you have to be able to get to 50 down and 10 up. Mm. But that's you, know, you have to show that you're able to do that. You have to show that you can scale up to that. So what the CRTC has effectively done is not renege the original 50 down, the 50-10 uh, uh, ratio. All they've done really is sort of make it easier for emerging players or players at all to enter those markets and to gain access to the fund. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, like Peter said, it's only going to increase the digital divide because what this report or what this decision from last week pretty much said was you have to be able to meet these targets without really establishing, you know, by when do you have to scale? How long do these uh, do these Canadians have to live with this 25-5? You know, while the rest of you know Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, they're getting their fifty ten, which is which is the issue, and that's sort of what I'm upset about, and I, I, that's that's actually not what other people are upset about. Other people are upset about the the, the blanket, you know, twenty five five. People are upset that the CRTC didn't mandate fifty ten, but for me, it's that idea that effectively the CRTC said, you know, some of these people. Um, or can live with the 2510. Some of them can live with 50, uh, sorry, 255 and 5010. But it, it's going to be up to the carriers again. So for me, it's like, well, what's the point of having a telecom watchdog if you're just going to put all the powers in the hands of these carriers? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's the, you know what's the point of existing if you're not going to mandate hard and fast rules? Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I just want to jump in on that because the okay. So anybody who is going to take advantage of of this program is mm-hmm. going to. Uh, rollout network, even satellite is capable of, um, you know, much better than 25.5. So anybody who's going to take advantage of this program isn't just going to offer those that minimum speed of 25.5. That's going to be their entry level plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the mandated entry level plan. They're going to obviously they're going to offer much better speeds because if you're going to if you're anybody besides a satellite provider, you're going to be putting fiber out there and you're going to be putting in fiber as we all know is capable of much much better than 25.5. So they're basically creating the opportunity for these internet providers to go out and create tiered services. 25.5 is your entry level plan and they're not just going to sell that. They're going to sell those higher plans too. So this is what I was talking about on Twitter is in some ways this is prudent because the CRTC is basically trying to create a business case for ISPs. They're mm-hmm. saying, here's your entry level plan and go forth and make money, uh, which realistically that's the only enticement that these companies care about. They want a route to profitability in these areas. But again, that brings us back to the digital divide. There's no getting around the fact that the entry level plan is lower in these rural areas than it is in the urban areas. And I think uh, there's there's a, a bunch of reasons why that's wrong. 
Right, and so if we can just just for a moment put on our tinfoil hats, why do you think the CRTC went this way? Um, well, I think it's again it's trying to create um, I, trying to create the the case for profitability for ISPs mm-hmm. to do that. So they're trying to entice them to actually go there. Now, uh, the fact is though, there anywhere that doesn't have proper broad, broadband at this point in time, it's probably because it's not economical to do so, or at least the ISPs think well. You know, we can't make a certain amount of money mm-hmm. by going in there. So this is another reason why this is why this sits so poorly with a lot of people is not only is the CRTC trying to create this route to profitability for these ISPs, but they're also going to pay them to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not forget that they've got $750 million that they're going to dole out in subsidies. So they're going to pay these companies to build their networks and give people, you know, basically a crappy entry-level service to start with. And basically allow these companies or give these companies a route to profitability so it's kind of uh it's very in character with this current crtc Mm -hmm. to basically be helping out the companies as opposed to perhaps the consumers right and i think we should also note that you know in addition to the 750 million here there's the 500 million uh from the connect to innovate right so there's quite a lot of money for these companies to take advantage of Mm -hmm. to build out this uh basic broadband across Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, Peter, you know, in reading your tweets, the sense I got is that this kind of moment crystallized for you, your opinion of uh, chairperson Ian Scott. Oh, right. no, that, that happened a long time ago. Okay. But, <laughs> Wait, no, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. Sorry, Peter, what was the moment for you yeah, what was where that? you were like, okay, this Ian Scott fellow is going to be a little a little troublesome? Uh, I think it was his appointment. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So right from the beginning, okay. Former yeah. TELUS exec, you know, it's the old, it's the cliche of the, the wolf in the house or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. That was, was kind of easy to, you know, in retrospect, you look back and say, we told you so. And I should point out that when he was appointed, we brought you on the podcast, That's right? right? Yep. So if you want to go back and listen to that podcast yep. about what uh, and all the Scottian jokes we made from Anthrax, Anthrax yeah, um, <laughs> you can go back to that episode. Um, but yeah, like, did this, you know, was this kind of, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back for you? Not really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the last previous uh, number of decisions, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I'm actually hard pressed to remember exactly which one it was because there's, I don't know if there's been a pro-consumer decision made by this uh, current mm-hmm. CRTC. We're going to talk about fair play as well, mm-hmm. but I don't even know if that's a pro-consumer decision by the CRTC. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a great moment to kind of segue into the fair play, if only because I think you know Samira and I were talking about this. Um, uh, in preparation for the podcast. And I think, you know, so one of the big things there was they quote unquote made the decision because it was not part of their jurisdiction. Um, and, but I think there's a sense that had it been like part of their jurisdiction, they would have moved in favor of fair play, right? Is that is that fair to say from both of you, Samir? Yeah. So here's, okay. So here's, here's my issue with the whole jurisdictional thing. Yesterday, yes, uh, Igor and I did talk about this. And at the time, my opinion was kind of of two minds. So here's the thing. The CRTC technically does not rule on copyright matters. That is fair. They don't have very much uh, jurisdiction with the Copyright Act, which technically speaking, if you want to make Fair Play Canada a copyright issue, you can. However, what the CRTC does have jurisdiction over is the Telecom Act and the Broadcasting Act and the Radio Communications Act. Now, the Telecom Act specifically says that common carriage is something that must be uh, is a standard that must be held towards. So the thing is, 
And what, what, what now is really riling me up is that the CRTC could have ruled on Fair Play Canada. They could have very easily said, no, 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 this is a net neutrality issue. This falls under common carriage. This falls under Section 27, you know, 1 or 27.2 of the Telecom Act. We're going to make a statement and cut this off right now because this is clearly a net neutrality, open internet connectivity issue. I mean, the, the Fair Play Canada... Fair Play Canada was trying to get the CRTC, trying to convince them to set up an agency that would allow media companies to say, hey, this website is violating copyright. Please block access to it in Canada. That is such a clear net neutrality issue that it is hilarious to me that the argument that was put forth by the CRTC, I'm almost done, the argument that was put forth by the CRTC <laughs> was that we don't have jurisdiction over the Copyright Act. That's not the point. All right, let's he, take a he breath. Just, he just turned red. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've actually, I've long disagreed that it's actually a net neutrality issue. It is a little bit, but I think it's, uh, you don't even need to go there. I think it, so in some ways I think the CRTC uh, punting this one, they basically passed the buck. Uh, I think to some extent they were warranted in that. I think this was an easy way for them to get out of this issue. Because um, I think it is a copyright issue and I think there's a, a million different reasons why this is a bad idea just based on copyright and uh, legality and all that stuff before you even have to get to net neutrality. Net neutrality is like the icing on the cake. Um, so, yeah, this was a very easy decision for the CRTC, and I don't think it's a pro-consumer decision. Mm -hmm. I think it's just basically them uh, realizing. I, I totally agree with you. They could have said, this isn't our jurisdiction. We're going to pass this on to whoever is. But, by the way, we also think that this could be a net neutrality thing with the Telecom Act and so on and so on. They didn't do that. And I think that's maybe, I think also what you said, Igor, too, is that had they had this been in their jurisdiction, I think it's reasonable to expect that they would have, I think they would have been only too happy to uh, side with Bell and so on, because that's just, that's in character with them so far. Yeah. So what, like, what do you two get this, like, what kind of sense do you get of the CRTC? I know something, Samir, that came out of your interview with uh, Chairperson Ian Scott was that like. He was, quote unquote, willing to listen to everyone on his team. And yet that doesn't seem to be the case. Like, I'm very curious what your sense of what is going on at the CRTC is happening. Is it like a very top down approach in which he's like, you know, these are my old friends or whatever. And or just his worldview is such that he's he's bound to rule in favor of the carriers. Go ahead. So I think one of the things that didn't come out of the interview with the chairperson Scott last year was the how he feels about Parliament specifically um, interceding and making decisions either on behalf of the CRTC or making decisions based on decisions made about the CRTC. So the, the big thing, of course, at the time was the MVNO thing. So earlier that summer, in, in either June or July of 2017, Minister Baines, Innovation Minister Baines, sent back the CRTC's MVNO decision saying, no, you know, we as the government, we think that you guys should reconsider this. That was well within Innovation Minister Baines's power to do so. But what came out of that was Chairperson Ian Scott's CRTC saying, you know, we've looked at it again, and we can see that there are some issues here that are important to look at, but I, I, we still think that Wi-Fi first MVNOs should be should be ruled against. So no to Wi-Fi first MVNOs, yes to low-cost data-only plans. And I think when we look at this recent CRTC decision about Fair Play Canada, 
we encounter a similar uh, dichotomy between the CRTC's role and what Parliament has already said it would do if the CRTC were to side with Fair Play Canada. So I think in this case, you know, Ian Scott may have just folded his hands, you know, turned over the table and said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to send it back to Parliament because clearly Parliament wants to do with this as they will. I, I don't necessarily think this is pro-consumer or anti-consumer, pro-business or anti-business. I think this is just Ian Scott saying, well, if Parliament's going to do this to me anyway, then Parliament can make up their minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think actually that's also step starting a step in the right direction, which is I think none of this is really, I think we need to take it to a higher level, which is the government, which is Navdeep mm-hmm. Baines and to some extent Justin Trudeau. This is a government that ran on you know improving the situation for the middle class, and they talked a big game about telecom and pre- internet prices, wireless prices, and so on. But the fact of the matter is three years into this government, they have done absolutely nothing to lower any of those prices or, or, or to do anything for the middle class in this particular uh, aspect. So I think with the appointment, going back to the very appointment of, of Ian Scott, um, either the liberals were, uh, were very cagey about what they were doing or they were completely uh, out to lunch on what they were doing. Because mm-hmm. you know one of the two situations here is either they appointed him and thought, we're going to, we want the CRTC to just kind of not rock the boat and to, we, you know, the previous government went to war with the telecom companies. So they figured we don't want to do that. And we'll maybe we'll let them be the bad guy. We'll let them take the heat. And meanwhile, we'll do nothing. Or that's the, they expected something different, but it didn't turn out that way. I'm not sure which case is worse, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, just to kind of circle back quickly to fair play itself. Do you think the um you know the conglomerate led by bell media which or bce which launched this was this kind of always in their mind the how it was going to play out where the uh, crtc was going to punt on it and then it goes to parliament and becomes a kind of a partisan issue Mm -hmm. i think with uh with the tenor of the crtc that we've seen um Mm -hmm. i think it really emboldens the companies to try things like this Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, I don't know if they realistically thought they had a shot with the CRTC. Um, I think you guys have a story up now suggesting mm-hmm. that this was, they didn't really think this was going to pass muster with the CRTC, but it's a way of kind of getting this, this issue on the table and getting more discussion on it and so on and so on. So maybe that's the case, but I'm not sure. Uh, but again, this, this you know, that the tenor of the CRTC has really emboldened companies to take shots like this and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Tamir? Well, yeah, so uh, uh, Peter is referencing the story that I wrote yesterday, which is, you know, what was Fair Play Canada really trying to accomplish? And I think having spoken to John Lawford uh, of the PIAC and having spoken to Monica Auer of the uh, Forum for Research and Policy and Communications in Canada, the FRPC, I think the answer to that question is we don't really know. I, I still don't really know what... Fair play was trying to. I know, sorry, I know what they said they were trying to accomplish, and of course that was the whole website blocking thing, which is fair, fair of them to try. But why, why the CRTC? If you're if you're going to make it a copyright issue, why the CRTC? And if you were, you know, if net neutrality wasn't going to be a thing that you were going to bring up again, why the CRTC? And if there's already a copyright review taking, a copyright act review taking place where you can provide your input, and if there's already a telecom act review taking place, which both of those things are happening right now, why? Why not just use those forums 
to raise these issues. And then, of course, it's like what Monica, uh, what, what Monica Auer from the FRPC said, maybe this was an attempt on these companies to just bring it to the public's attention mm-hmm. so that when it comes time for them to go up you know, before parliament to say, here's our opinions, um, they have a group behind them. They have lots and lots of ink already printed and spilled about them. And you've already got the digital rights advocacy groups in a, in a tizzy ready to you know, provide their inputs. I, you know, maybe, maybe. This was a calculated effort on on Fair Play Canada's part to have everybody play their hands, and maybe they've got a secret card. I don't know if that's true or not, though. I still don't know what the point of this whole thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it might be like you know uh, might be like customer service where you got to kind of go through the rep first before you ask. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Lead it to the manager. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah. But um, I think it was Open Media said something like, um, you know, Bell is relentless, so expect this to continue. They're, uh, of course, they're going to take this to the next level. Um, I take it a step further. I always say that Bell always wins. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, it's obviously. In the end. Yeah, in the end. Uh, I mean, certainly there was the case, the ruling just the earlier this week, right, in which it went in Bell's favor. I don't know what the context of it was, but I remember I think you were tweeting about it, right? And I'm like, the, the TV wholesale? Code. Yeah, the wholesale, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of fair play, I think it's fair to say that this is by no means the end of this initiative. And so, you know, how do we see this playing out in the next, you know, with the Copyright Act uh, being looked at once again? Yeah, well, I think we're just going to see a, re- a rerun of it. Um, as we Maybe this was, again, uh, we've kind of touched on it already, but maybe this was the sort of the trial run. It's like the mm-hmm. practice. So now Bell has seen what kind of arguments, um, you know, work and don't work. So they can go back to the drawing board with that. Um, the interesting thing I, I noticed is yesterday there was a report out that, from, I think it's based on Sandvine, Mm-hmm. Sandvine numbers that piracy is um, increasing on, on the upsurge yeah. again because you know you've got all these streaming services that are now siloing stuff so you're mm-hmm. gonna have you know a lot of the Disney stuff leaving or Marvel stuff whatever leaving Netflix, uh, Netflix yeah. to go to Disney service and you've got Amazon and so on and so on so um, yeah so that's gonna be interesting to see how that you know by the time this copyright review starts to really ramp up you know I think you're you're it'll be interesting to see how much piracy has researched since then and how much that changes the conversation. Samir? If it's a conversation about piracy, then it's going to go one way. If it's a conversation about copyright, yeah. it's going to go another way. And if it's a conversation about net neutrality, it's going to go another way as well. So this whole Fair Play Canada thing, yes, it's not over. It's definitely not over. And I, I can't, for the life of me, imagine that any of the major telecom service providers in the country are going to stop wanting to block websites. That's the thing that they've been wanting to do for a very long, since the dawn of the internet, mm-hmm. people have been wanting to block access to the internet. And that's, that is what it is. 
so yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, right now, uh, or maybe uh, at the time of recording, maybe half an hour ago, um, a YouTube Canada, Google Canada representative was above, before the Can- uh, Canadian Heritage Committee to talk about um, about revenue streams for online content creators and online creatives. So you know, there's going to be insight from from all of the major um, uh, you know web service providers as well. So th- this Copyright Act thing is going to go on for a while, and this Telecom Act review is going to go on for a while too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like? So the thing that's very interesting to me is that this is obviously a very unpopular measure or attempt by these companies uh, from the perspective of just a general population of Canada. Um, how do you see like? that playing out like that aspect of it like it seems almost that their position is untenable that of fair play right um and that they're going to have a very difficult path forward to enacting this kind of legislation Mm -hmm. yeah um i think it's sort of an endless game uh you know that that's their the the copyright holders are going to continue pushing for stronger laws and stronger enforcement of those laws and so on and so on Mm -hmm. and i think um I think in some ways it's almost a waiting game because that side of it is happening while the technology is advancing as well on both sides. So you have, you know, Bell's also not just a media or a media producer, of course, they're also a technology company. So they're along with Sandvine and all those other guys that are developing technologies to better combat piracy and to better detect it and so on. But at the same time, piracy is also evolving too into more undetectable forms. It's a Mm -hmm. never ending game of cat and mouse. So, Mm Uh, that's actually, I think that's the way to characterize it. It's a never-ending game of cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. You're always going to have people pirating and uh, using better forms of technology to do so. The technologies to s- detect and stop that are going to go in lockstep. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're going to have people fighting for stronger laws and so on and so on. And then we all die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it never ends. Samir? <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to say it simply. If we just paid creators, uh, you know, what they're worth, we wouldn't be in this situation. Because mm. I, I, I can't imagine that, you know, the, the, the production company behind, um, let's say, a Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios. I, don't, I can't. They're not happy with piracy, but at the same time, I can't imagine that they're very happy being part of the part of a group that uh, is advocating for website blocking. I can't imagine that the CBC, for example, and again, the CBC is part of the Fair Play mm-hmm. Canada Coalition. I can't imagine that Canada's public broadcaster is very happy being lumped in with all of mm-hmm. these all of these other media groups. Um, as this company that wants to block access to the internet, that's that just you don't want to have that painted across your face when you're walking into a room, and that's exactly what a lot of these companies have done to themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, Bell and Rogers, that makes sense. That that we we get that. That's how telecom works. Kojiko, same thing. And you know, some of these actor unions, these director unions, these producer unions, same thing. But I can't. It doesn't look good. So I'm mm. sure if we just paid people what they're worth, mm. we wouldn't be in this mess. I couldn't agree more. And the great all-time icon of Canada, Brian Adams, was talking about this just you know just recently. And he, the point he was making in these copyright hearings was, you know, the, the, the issue isn't so much websites or piracy or so on. It, you know, the the companies that employ artists have to give them better deals. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the book in the book realm, if you write a book, you get fifteen. The average deal is about fifteen percent of the of the sale price goes to the the author of the book, which is insanity. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of I, like that's not to say at all that there aren't a whole mess of people involved in producing a product like a book or an album or whatever, and those people deserve to get paid too. But you know, when the when the one person without whom it cannot 
uh, uh, live with, yeah, it, yeah, is getting fifteen percent. That kind of indicates to you that something's off there. And, and with luck, this whole piracy, you know, the ongoing piracy cat and mouse game, will lead to some of that, um, some of that being ironed out. That I'm optimistic that that will happen. But anyways, we've really digressed. <laughs> yeah, it just seems that you know, it's like it speaks to an issue that is so much bigger than just Canada, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's like a fundamental rethinking of how we handle how artists are paid, how you know just the sharing of different medium like <laughs> but these are conversations that we need to have right and you know simply walking into a room and saying well actually the, the solution to all of this is just blocking access well that's not that's not where the converse that's not what the problem mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the problem with piracy is is and has always been a of all access to this media because if you know back in the heyday of season one of game of thrones if i could just buy it on amazon i would have done that rather mm-hmm. than maybe finding other sources to, to, to watch the first season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. That's one. And two, sorry, two of all, be of all, whatever I, whatever letter number I'm on, is that you got to pay people, you know, you got to pay these these creators a, a fair wage and you got you to gotta make sure that they are, they're being treated fairly. It's worth noting mm-hmm. that if you want to watch the latest HBO content, like the most recent season of Game of Thrones, you still can't do that in Canada on a streaming service. You can watch you season six, but you can't watch season seven. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly seems like it's taking a sledgehammer to an issue where you need to kind of thread a needle, <laughs> you know? So, But classic telecoms, right, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, Samir, what's next on the docket for the CRTC? What decisions are we expecting them to make in the near future? So I'm going to say right now, I'm blanking on decisions, but the, mm-hmm. in my mind, the most important thing that's coming up next is the October 22nd hearing mm-hmm. regarding uh, unsavory telecom sales practices. And as I finish mm-hmm. the sentence, I just remembered that the cloud Wi-Fi bell situation in Hamilton, replies to that are coming in on the 15th. And that's important. I promise you that's important. And we here at Mobile Syrup will cover it. But the October 22nd unsavory telecom sales practice hearings are huge. They're monumental. Mm-hmm. The CRTC is literally, literally, literally asking Canada's telecoms are you unfairly squeezing money out of the pockets of Canadian citizens? And the carriers are going to have to either say, yes, we are, or no, we're not. <laughs> so, oh, gee, wonder which it'll be. I think, uh, I think we owe it to our listeners to give them a Saturday night preview of the Sunday night game. Uh, so, Peter, I, I can probably guess how you think this is going to play out, but please illuminate us. Um, this is, well, it's a weird, it's a tough one to call because you have... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the government, this is another one of those government mm-hmm. basically said, take another stab out of it, <laughs> which mm-hmm. they did with the MVNOs, and we know how that turned out. So, you know, the, I think actually, you just to go back, way back to what we were talking about earlier when you asked me, mm-hmm. what was the straw that broke the camel's back? I think it was the MVNO decision because everybody mm-hmm. and their mother expected the CRTC to actually go for MVNOs. Mm-hmm. I believe that even the, the telcos, like there was stories about job postings for yeah, uh, MVNO director or some, some yeah. something like that. So, to take that un- completely unexpected U-turn was was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. So, how this is going to turn out, who's to say? I don't know. But knowing that the CRTC basically, uh, when this first came up, and I think it was the CBC reports that basically spurred this whole thing, mm-hmm. CRTC basically shrugged and said, "Nothing to see here. Yeah. There's lots of competition or whatever." So they completely punted on that government, told them to, to take another stab at it. So they're going back to this thing that they really don't want to be, that they don't think is an issue, or at least that Ian Scott doesn't think is an issue. So uh, you'll forgive me if I'm cynical about the potential outcome, but then I'm just cynical in general, so who knows? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But 
I don't know. Maybe they also, maybe they changed their tune. Maybe there's, uh, maybe the government's gotten to them, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Samir? I, I agree with Peter wholeheartedly. I also doubt that the government's gotten to them. And you can even see it in their replies. You know, they're, they're turning around saying, well, we've got, you know, 10 million, for example, for Rogers. We have 10 million wireless customers who use devices and the Rogers LTE network and 3G network and all of that. But only a small fraction, less than 1% of all of our customers for wireless are complaining about our wireless services. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is that even one is too much. Mm-hmm. Even one is too much, mm-hmm. so that's the problem. But yeah, I, I agree with Peter. I don't. I don't really imagine that the carriers are gonna are gonna say. Actually, you know what? Yes, we have been fleecing Canadians for years now, years, and we're yeah. so glad someone is finally holding us a task. The, but these unsavory telecom practices too. It's a case of uh, they're saying they get one percent of customers complaining. Whatever. How many people are actually complaining about the unsavory practices? versus how many are actually being subjected to them. Uh, you know, it's anecdotal, but in the past, like, two months, and I'm, uh, you know, I'd like to think I'm on top of this stuff, and I and mm. I don't know if they know who I am, but you would think that they would not try this stuff on, on, on me. But in any event, in the past couple of months, I've dealt with at least half a dozen of these, of these practices, whether it was for myself, my wife, my mother. My mother called me today to tell me about this problem she was having with TV. Um, quick anecdote. Apparently, Rogers told her that uh, they'd stopped offering TV. And then if you really wanted TV, you had to su- subscribe to Internet as well. Unbelievable, right? For Ignite TV because they want to yeah. get their yeah. uh, IPTV yeah. platform yeah, exactly. off the... Her, her picture went out for a couple of days. And so she, so she was dealing with people, dealing with people. I think she finally got to like an upper, uh, higher up and they, and they immediately switched it back on for her. So, you know, evidence of this stuff. Every single day it's happening to thousands of Canadians. Guaranteed. How much of that is being reported? I don't know. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of the issue is, you know, as much as the uh, Rogers, Bell, and Telus love to point to the CCTS, it's like, what Canadian, like, how many Canadians actually know about these, the apparatus that lets them report? Like, I think that would be in some sense, like, it's obviously something that's very difficult to get a firm number on, but I imagine the numbers would be really low, right? Like maybe it's like... No, it's, it's, it's easy to get numbers because the CCTS no. publishes those numbers. Right. We know those numbers and the yeah. numbers are low. They're mm-hmm. very low. Not yeah. a fraction of Canadians. And also a fraction of Canadians are actually form, filing complaints. And second of all, the CCTS gets to pick what complaint, which complaints it accepts. Mm-hmm. There's, the CCTS publishes numbers based on how many complaints either don't fall under its mandate or just are deemed not, uh, not worthy of review. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, it's important to point out that the CCTS is, you know, the carriers have to be part of it, right? So there is this whole complicated web of, you know, how much is being reported very little, right? So anyway. um, And who named the the CCTS in the first place? That just rolls off the tongue. I don't even know if I can remember. Commissioner for Complaints for Telecommunication Services, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> if that doesn't turn people off, off in the first place, then I, you know. Yeah. And then I think, you know, if you do know its origin, right, I think you'll be probably really reluctant to, you know, like what person in their right mind is going to think that this organization is going to represent their interests against, you know, the their quote unquote overlord, right? Like so. Now, to be mm-hmm. fair, because I know some of the people that work there and they are, they're wonderful people. They are wonderful people. Yeah. There's all these. Yeah. Shout out. But. I, I bet they're wonderful people who would love to be tr- doing more yeah. in their role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So overall, very pessimistic episode. <laughs> you well, know what you're asking for when you yeah. call me. Yeah. That's the Canadian Telecom <laughs> yeah. for you. 
Um, I guess, you know, yeah, you know, it's so tough because it's like, what is the way forward, right, for Canadian just telecom users, right? Mm-hmm. I I've said before, I'll say it again because I'll say it till, till my grave, is mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to save people is technological change. Something's mm-hmm. going to come along someday and basically make these companies obsolete the same way that, uh, you know, Messenger or uh, BBM and et cetera made texting obsolete, Netflix made TV obsolete, so on and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, somebody's going to come along and revolutionize the actual access of the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's when things will change. But when will that happen? Who knows? Well, and also, you know, for the better, right, yeah. is the question. Because well, you- temporarily for the better. So as we're seeing with these pirates, the, this increase in piracy, you know, mm-hmm. Netflix came along and really made things better for a lot of people. They said, hey, now we can get rid of cable. We mm-hmm. got Netflix. So that was kind of like the golden age. It was the golden age of streaming. And I think we're starting to enter the not golden age of mm-hmm. streaming, whatever that may be. Uh, so, you know, te- technology comes along and temporarily makes things better. On that note, let's make everyone's lives temporarily better by giving our shout outs. Peter, Samir, who do you, who wants to go first? Oh, okay. Well, it's good mm. you should mention that. I'm going to yeah. give a shout out to LED lights. Ooh. I've been working on a couple of stories about LED lights, which you'll see soon, hopefully. Um, mm. And I've been learning about all of the effects mm-hmm. that lighting has on us, both psychologically and economically mm. and so on. And uh, so it's made me really conscious of of lights both both outside and inside my own home mm-hmm. and uh I did you get a daylight one. lamp i've got one yet yeah. but i was you know i'm sitting in my office which is just has this crappy lighting and i'm thinking mm-hmm. i gotta switch this up i gotta put in some some friendlier lighting in this office mm-hmm. maybe i won't be so cynical maybe <laughs> one could only hope <laughs> samir uh, I know that it's normally Igor's role to shout out something that he's reading or has re- already you? read, uh, but I'm going to shout out Bloomberg's report today mm-hmm. regarding the allegations that um, uh, a company, uh, Supermicro, I believe, has been either working with the Chinese government or has been involved in a Chinese government plot to spy on American tech companies, approximately 30 companies, including some major banks, Apple and Amazon. So this story is crazy. And here's the thing. If it's true, it's crazy if it's true. Um, If it's not true, then, oh boy. And if only a part of it is true, then this is going to be a a, a mess to try to demystify. Mm -hmm. But whether or not it's true, you you guys have to read this story. Uh, We'll we'll link to it somehow in this this podcast. But again, it's lengthy, but it, it, it it is a piece. And it's uh, it's worth pointing out that's a it's a story by Bloomberg. In my experience, Bloomberg has uh, extremely high standards for their mm-hmm. reporting and their journalism. So I'm inclined to believe the story. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it is a barn burner. It, it's yeah. a doozy. My goodness. Yeah. Also has great graphics. I yes. just want to point out multimedia. Uh, <laughs> um, my shout out goes to the LG G71. Uh, just went hands on with it uh, yesterday. And LG has finally released a phone that is not, in my opinion, complete garbage. So <laughs> props to them. Um, on that note, uh, Peter, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Peter Nowak. At, at Peter Nowak, I guess. And when can we expect your next book? Scheduled for spring 2020. Okay. But we'll see. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm sure that 15% is not pushing you forward. Really? <laughs> no, it's not a, not a huge enticement at this point. Yeah. Go Brian Adams. <laughs> Um, Samir, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Samir Chabra 94. And of course, you can find me at mobilesyrup.com. And I'm at Igor Bonifacic. Uh, and Mobile Syrup is at Mobile Syrup on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then obviously, mobilesyrup.com. Um, 
please bring more intelligent comments to the comment section if you can. That is my call to action uh, because some of the stuff I read this week was really just bonkers. Uh, <laughs> on that note, Peter, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, we should probably have you back in a couple of weeks and then we Any can t- really... Anytime you guys are feeling too upbeat, just let me know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think we'll need to really bring it down on the 22nd. Sure. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.